All right, welcome back to the Pineapple Couch with V-Rough. This is episode 92, and we have the finale of Falcon and the Winter Soldier to talk about today, episode 6, six-part series. I will be joined, as always, by my good friend Peter Gonzalez to discuss all this. Peter, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm very excited to wrap up this particular series, for now at least. For now. We have a weird... uh... I was talking to Marley this morning. I was like, I have like a six to seven week break where I don't have to write four page breakdowns of stuff that comes out on Disney Plus on Thursdays at midnight. But I love it. So I'm looking forward to Loki and we'll do some other types of Marvel stuff in between here and now. But let's get to the the big deal here. We got the finale of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. A lot of hype going into this one and some interesting things coming out of it in terms of future projects announced as well as some interesting criticism that we will get into later in the show. Um, let's just get into it right now, though. We're going to go with the opening. It opens with Carly and the Flag Smashers ready to strike. The movement is ready. We've heard these exact lines from them, I believe, in the episode before. The exact same wording. Like, I literally think it was the same audio. Um, and we see that the GRC is completely locked down. And Bucky is getting to the scene. And one thing I thought was really cool, Peter, is how they called him Sergeant Barnes. So Bucky wasn't, like, there... Because it kind of felt like they were operating outside of the law this whole time in a way. And so it was cool to see him get called Sergeant Barnes. Does that surprise you? It, it took me a second. Like, it was like, oh, wait, they called him Sergeant Barnes. Because, again, I think it, it's, I think it's cool that it happened in this episode. Because it is it's the final episode. But, again, it, we've been following Bucky's growth from episode one of the series to now. And it's like, mm-hmm. he's not the Winter Soldier when we meet you. It's Sergeant Barnes, which is yeah. a callback to Captain America, the First Avenger. Yeah, it's good. It's a 80 year callback in MCU time. Um, so and we also see that Sam is on his way um, through. We see a little glimpse of him flying through the air. We're ready to see his new uniform, but we don't see it yet. And then Bucky is stopped by someone. We see who it is. It's Sharon Carter. And she has one of the face masks that I believe Black Widow used in a yes, previous MCU in, project. I want to say it's uh, Winter S- Soldier. Yeah, maybe? yeah, it's Winter yeah. Soldier when she impersonates like, the yeah yeah that whole thing um okay and so sharon's here and bucky's like what are you doing here and sharon's doesn't seem to be too worried about the the implications of her getting caught here i guess um and then so carly and the flag smashers as soon as they see sam they start their attack um i'm not exactly sure why they waited for sam to get there i feel like you wouldn't want Captain America, the Falcon, there when you're doing something illegal? Am I crazy? No, yeah, I was that part I was a little confused by that too. But I mean, I, yeah, unless it's for distraction purposes, unless I, their whole plan to me was just kind of whack from the start. I was oh, like, yeah. I'm so confused, but we'll go with it. Yeah, we're going with it. And so basically, what happens next is we see inside the GRC some sort of gas grenades are thrown in there. I don't know if it's poison or it'll just knock you out, but basically what it causes is everyone has to evacuate. And then the scene of the episode, maybe, Sam busts through the window and takes out a flag smasher with the shield and his new Captain America costume. First of all, incredible costume and one of the most accurate comic-to-screen costumes I think I've ever seen. It might be the most, maybe uh, Captain America 1 is up there, but like, I mean, this is just, if you look at the comics, this is spot on what Falcon looks like. What did you think of the entrance? I thought it was, I thought it was a great way to do it. Like you said, to see the costume, I thought it was so rad. I thought, I liked how it had the little homages to Steve's costume also, Mm -hmm. the various, Steve's various costumes throughout the series. I like that. 
And I liked the addition of the wings. I thought that was super cool. That it yeah. was kind of meld of the two things. And just to see the costume with Sam, with the shield and the wings, it was just like the whole package. Of, I was just geeking out. I thought it yeah. was so cool. Seeing that, that's why, I mean, we'll talk about, there are some downsides to these, this series, of course, but we like it. But this is the thing about Disney+. Plus seeing this stuff not in a theater like yeah i know we were excited to go back to theaters and see movies but the fact that we get to see this reveal of sam wilson as captain america at home on disney plus that that's why i'm just so excited about these series i just think it's going to be awesome um and then right after he busts through the window and takes someone out a freaking fantastic moment takes place where someone asks who are you and he's just like i'm captain america and Right when he said that, I was like, oh, hell yeah, you are. And it was just from that moment, I thought the way that Anthony Mackie kind of played the, hey, I'm not here to play around. I'm not here to play your games. I'm Captain America. Steve left me a job to do. I'm going to do it. Did you get that vibe kind of from him now? Totally. And so different than John Walker's, like, I'm Captain America. So robotic. Just like, mm-hmm. listen to me. This is more just like, this is just second nature that he's Captain America. Let's just keep on doing the job that we're here to do. We're not here to posture and make it seem like i'm better than everybody it was like i'm here to do the job mm-hmm. and so i love that and we get um batrock we saw him he was after falcon at the end of the last episode now he's after captain america and he tracks down sam in the fight in the grc and they fight one a couple things batrock is incredibly legit we knew that from winter soldier where uh captain america steve fights him puts down the shield and they fight so i thought it was kind of cool that how they had steve fight him and then they also have uh, Falcon, Sam, as Captain America fight him. I thought that that was pretty cool. Um, and one thing I'll say to the listeners, there's a lot of stuff that happens in this episode where it kind of just cuts from scene to scene. So we're going to try and stay within the scenes and get everything out of that and still stay in order somewhat. So just just trust me. It'll all make sense. Um, one thing, though, Peter. There is a scene in the Batrock-Sam fight where Sam chucks the shield and Batrock throws up legitimately like a plastic desk chair. And that stops the vibranium shield. What did that jump out to you? It was just like, wait, is that chair made of like adamantium or vibranium? Like what is going on? Yeah, that definitely I was I, I couldn't I had to like when I watched it the second time, too, I was like, wait, what? Why? How? I was just and I think it's I don't know. I almost I like how Sam fighting as Captain America is still not perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still got some flaws. He still gets beat around. It's different than obviously Steve's first fight against Batrock mm-hmm. and Winter Soldier. Very different fights, but I do the the chair thing. Definitely, I was confused by. I don't know if that's supposed to mean something or if it was just a, a flub. Because yeah, yeah, that's just the shield, a chair, like. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. No contest technically should be. Um, And so the fight continues on, but basically after a while, and this is again how we're talking about how Sam, he doesn't have the ego. He is here to get shit done. He's here to do the job. He basically, after fighting Batrock for a while, he bails on him and gets out of there because he has bigger things to do. Batrock's not, his ego of, for him beating Batrock, maybe like John Walker would be like, I want to show him I could beat him or other people. Sam doesn't give a crap. He's like, okay, yeah, we fought. I don't need my ego boosted by beating you specifically. Like, I'm going to get out of here and do my job. Goodbye. You can't fly. Is that how you interpret it? <laughs> I like that. Goodbye. You can't fly. Um, no, yeah. And I also like that, again, in that fight scene, we had another homage to um, 
Winter Soldier, the scene in the elevator where Steve basically does the step on the ha- the shield and it comes up, and yeah. so basically Sam did it here to kind of knock him out. But it was like I like that again. We're getting these flashbacks that if you've been with these series from mm-hmm. Iron Man one to now, like these things make everything so much greater, the tiniest details. Mm-hmm. And one thing to bring up after you mentioned Iron Man, and I'm not sure if we talked about this last week, but I've certainly, I've heard this, um, so I'm not creating it, but Sam is, when you're thinking about the evolution of the MCU, the two main characters, Tony and Steve, Sam is legitimately a combination of Captain America and Iron Man. It is an exact combination. The way they shoot Sam's fly scenes are exactly like Tony. Or the, in the first episode, it was very similar with the face, how they had the camera on that. And then the ground combat with Cap and the shield. Sam is a melded together version of Tony and Steve. I'm not saying Tony's personality, all that stuff. I'm just saying the, the fighting style and that. It just It's Iron Man and Cap. It's pretty cool. I like that. I like that. And so Sam, as he bails on Batrock, he throws the shield through the window and then jumps after it, which will never not be cool. Um, and then, Peter, my first note on this next scene is one of the dumbest things ever. This next. OK, if you've been listening to this pod, you know, I am not a fan of the, fan of the Flag Smashers, specifically Carly. I just think that. I mean, I can confidently say this the, by far the worst antagonists in the history of the MCU, not close. Not even remotely close to anything. Not even close. The worst. And so, Carly... And the other thing, though, is maybe that they wanted us to hate the Flag Smashers that much. So maybe it's a good thing, but I I don't know. One of the dumbest things ever, Carly calls Bucky. And she basically asks Bucky if he's tired of fighting on the wrong side. And she says it doesn't matter if she survives. She's fighting for something bigger. All the usual blah, blah, blah from Carly Morgan that would justify her supremacy, in my opinion. And then the biggest mistake. She asks Bucky if he has ever been able to say the same. Has he ever been able to say he's fought for something bigger than himself? Um, how about World War II and Thanos? Like, you this, know, I mean... It's just like, what are you talking about? And she's, it's just like Carly Morgan thought to me in this episode and towards the end of the series, it's just kind of like a joke. It's just like, we know you're not going to accomplish anything. And it's just like, I, I don't, I, I just don't see a threat ever. I was never worried about it. The only thing I was ever worried about with her is like, oh my God, I just hope she doesn't, or we'll get to that later. Um, so, <laughs> Bucky tells her at the end of this conversation, like her, the things she tells her that the things her cause will justify her. Wait, I'm fucking this up. Oh, she thinks that she can justify all this death. Right. But she can't. And she will remember the ones she killed. And Bucky's like, don't go down this path. And obviously throughout this series, we've seen Bucky have to deal with that. And one thing I want to point out, Peter, is there's a giant difference between Bucky and Carly. Yes, Bucky's the Winter Soldier. Bucky was never voluntarily killing people. Bucky's not a murderer. He's not a bad person. He was legitimately like mind controlled or whatever to do this. And so the fact that he's saying like, I even still feel this pain and I didn't even do it. You got to times that by like a billion for what Carly's doing, right? Yeah. And again, it speaks again. I think again, if anything, Carly's character purpose mission, it almost makes like a parallel to Bucky's 
how Bucky didn't have control in these situations, but he's still trying to make amends for these situations, mm-hmm. whereas she is doing these and doesn't care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And more and more over the course of this episode, we'll see that play out. And then so at the end of this conversation, after Bucky just really shuts her down, pretty much, um, she kind of I didn't get this either. She like tells Bucky, thank you for buying her time, which I mean, it's not like she was doing anything when that was going on. And it really like, I don't know. I felt like she tried to come take that as a W, like buying Bucky's time in that conversation. But as we'll see in the rest of the episode, it really did not matter. That yeah. call was it did not matter. Um, and so we know that Sharon and Bucky are after these flag smashers that are trying to kidnap the hostages. And Sharon gets one and she kills him with some crazy mercury vapor. This dude who was dressed up as a security guard and was escorting all the senators and stuff out, the GRC members. That was gnarly, Peter. That was like flag number two of the episode. My first flag was when she showed up because it's like, how do you get out of Madripoor if it's like you can't leave? Supposedly yeah. you can never leave. And then you just show up here and like, yes, you came to help your friends. But at the same time, you're not you're supposed to be this wanted fugitive. And then she just casually kills this dude with the mercury vapor. I was like, red flags, but also like internally, like, please, please be the power broker. Yeah. Yeah. Because I wanted that, you know, ever since, like we said last episode, you were going to riot if the flag smashers make it out of this episode. And I was going to riot if Sharon was not the power broker. So Mm -hmm. let's see how the episode continues. Yeah. And we should get to that talk of, uh, about Sharon later, because there's a, a large portion of people online who I think have a different view on that, which I don't really understand, but we'll get into that. Um, and so, now we get to see a very cool scene of Sam in the air fighting the helicopter. And he basically, there's a couple things that happen in this. He uses Red Wing at first to analyze one of the helicopters to see, hey, can anyone on this pilot this bird? Like, in case if I can take out the person who's driving it, can any of these three people sitting in the back seat, do they have any experience? And conveniently, I'm not mad about them, though. It's fine. I don't care. We needed... I'm fine with that type of plot, like moving forward. So someone conveniently has experience. And so Sam, he, that you see that that's what he's going to do. He's going to take out the guy in the front and have her take over. But a couple other things happen before that. So you have also what happens is basically another helicopter goes down. And these two innocent people or helicopter pilots are going to get smashed by a helicopter on the bridge. And Sam does a great job of bringing them down and then not only uses the shield to cover them, but also the vibranium type wings. And he obviously gets huge cheers from the crowd, the crowd seeing Captain America, seeing him do good. Not like they saw with John Walker, obviously on TV. What do you think of that little moment there with the crowd on the bridge? I liked it again. It kind of reminded me almost of, the moments that we haven't seen for some of these heroes where they are, we're seeing the positive reactions mm-hmm. coming. As long as we see the negative, like Sokovia and stuff. But this reminds nice... me of Spider-Man one and two with like the, the old t- Peter Mark or uh, fucking Tobey Maguire. You just like took the words out of my mouth. So I can say them <laughs> because yeah, it's that thing that you see, you, you want to see the world celebrating the heroes that as a viewer, you're celebrating, but it's mm-hmm. nice to see the world around them celebrating them especially seeing him as captain america when the last time when the world was watching it was the other captain america killing the dude yeah and uh, correct me if i'm wrong i don't really know if we've gotten much of that of what we just saw of like the people cheering on our heroes within the mcu avengers that's not happening because everything's going to shit 
I mean, there's probably something in Iron Man, in one of the Iron Mans where people cheer him, but I, nothing jumps out at me. Like, there's a couple instances in this episode where that happens, and I really can legitimately not think of another instance in the MCU where that happens besides maybe the Guardians of the Galaxy when they're, like, thanked that one time by the, the Nova Corps or something. Right. But then, I wanted to say Homecoming, but they're technically they're cheering for Mysterio over Spider-Man and Homecoming when they're when the water... They're far from home. Far from home, thank you. Far yeah. From home. Maybe it's cheering. the Washington Monument in Homecoming? Does anyone cheer for... Kind of? Not really, no, because it's all really. inside. Yeah. And he gets attacked. Yeah, so Interesting. that might be the first. I like that. I want to see more of that. Um, and so continuing on in this helicopter fight, we're we're going kind of quickly over it, but, I mean, it's not to take anything away from it. It is fantastic action. It is so cool to see Sam with the shield, with the wings, obviously, doing all this stuff. Um, but there's not that much we can say about it. You got you to watch it, and you can enjoy it. It was cool, but what happens is he takes out the Flag Smasher and drops him into the water, and the senator ends up stabilizing the helicopter. So crisis averted there. And now we're going to go to Carly, Peter. And Carly is now telling her followers, like, we're going to kill the hostages. And they're kind of like, whoa, thought we were using those as like a negotiating chip or something. And she's like, no, basically, it doesn't matter if we die, blah, blah, blah. She keeps going down this path over and over and over again. And they're like, what the hell is going on? You can see it in their, her eyes, in their eyes, the other Flag Smashers looking at her. And when she goes the one world and she waits for them to say one people, they don't initially respond. They do the second time, however, like not even that forcefully at all. Um, I've been waiting for that for a couple episodes. What do you think? Like finally someone on Carly's side being like, wait, what is going on now? Right? What do you think? Yeah, I think, again, it's just, especially it makes sense in the last episode to see basically that she's fully losing grasp of reality and everyone around her is like finally waking up to the fact like this isn't what we started believing in at the get-go this is something wildly different and the reluctance to say the one word one people at the end is just like they're starting to get it but then they still go side with her so mm -hmm. yeah they still end up making the wrong decisions um and so now we have bucky charging into battle on his motorcycle and he launches himself in and he faces up against carly and the flag smasher he's, he's doing well That's i another callback though to uh civil war when Steve went on the motorcycle, but he got on the, on the plane thing. Yeah, but that's a great call. I didn't even think of that. That's good. Good job, Peter. That's why. That's why. That's why you're on here. Um, <laughs> and uh, so he's facing up against the flag smashers, and he has, I would say, an advantage. I still do not understand. We'll get to this. I don't understand how Carly can battle uh, Bucky or John Walker when they've literally been trained in military experience their entire lives, and she's twenty. I know, and they all have super soldier serum. It's just kind of like, theory, if you were to say, hey, Brian, you're now as strong as Mike Tyson in his prime. Go fight Mike Tyson. Like, in his he would kill me still because I don't know how to fight. Like, and so the fact that she's all of a sudden, like, is she just a secret ninja? Like, what? I don't understand how she's just automatically a great fighter being having super strength does not mean you're a great fighter you could give me super strength and i would get my ass beat by still everyone so it doesn't, i don't i didn't get that what'd you think so to speak to that boy because i think that's as much as i love the mcu and marvel i think that's one part where they do struggle to stick the landings of their villains they tend to make them too strong 
and have to overcompensate in a sense because again, they or just in general they make things that they can't justify later on because I mean if we think back to Endgame, you know Captain Marvel could have been able to take out a bunch of things by herself. Wanda should have been able to take out a bunch of things yep. by herself. So there's certain things that it's like holes in the strength. But again, this specifically, it's like you said, there's no way that she, who was like a refugee, learns how to is amplified her fighting skills. Like it should have been more. There's a movie like called broken. the Rhythm. There's a movie called the Rhythm Section. I don't know if you ever saw it, yeah. where um, Blake Lively plays like this person who's loses their family and then they train mm-hmm. to become an assassin. But what's great about it is that she sucks at being an assassin. Like, because she wasn't trained to fight. She, like, struggles to take mm-hmm. out the people, the car. And so it was realistic, which I think would be cool to see in the MCU where you see someone not know how to fight, even though you're mm-hmm. given these abilities. Because John Walker, it makes sense. Yeah. But Carly and the Flag Smashers, it's like, how? Why? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't, it does not make that much sense to me. I mean, even in, um, Fuck, what was I going to say? Oh, and Batman Begins. That whole movie is about Bruce Wayne becoming... He's not, like, immediately great at fighting. He has to learn. He has to get his ass kicked. That's the whole thing. And so maybe we see with uh, the closest thing we might see to that in MCU in the future, maybe is Sam just becoming more skilled with the shield and stuff. I don't know, because he seems like a good fighter. But the one thing about Sam that we know is he's very defensive. He's not trying to hurt people, which is a very Captain America thing. So let's move on. Um, Bucky's faced up against Carly and the Flag Smashers, and she causes him to have to go basically bail on them when she lights a truck full of hostages on fire. Let me repeat that. When she lights a truck full of hostages on fire, and Bucky immediately goes to save those people, which is another example of his growth away from being the Winter Soldier, and he is he's Bucky. He's a good person like we saw in Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, and then our uh, John Walker shows up screaming, Morgenthau, he wants Carly. And then I'll just read exactly what my notes have here next. She tells John Walker that Lamar didn't matter. And he basically, like, says, gives her a chance to clarify that. She doesn't. What a fucking loser Carly is. She sucks. Like... Just how blinded she is by her, I mean, tough look saying Lamar doesn't matter. Just in general, that's just a fucked up thing to say. And it's just crazy to me. If you'd have told me two or three weeks ago, like, yeah, Brian, you're going to be rooting for John Walker at one point in the show. I would be like, no way. That's never going to happen. No, totally was. Totally was rooting for uh, John Walker in this moment. Um, I thought that was... very disrespectful of Carly and just another thing that really hurt her character to me and just as a bad person. What do you think? Yeah, again, I think it's just she's just becoming a, just a horrible, like you said, a horrible person. I feel like that's an understatement, though, because it's like the hostages, the doesn't matter if they die, then to disrespect John Walker, which I get he's not the greatest character either, but like she's fully like sociopathic villain at this point. Mm-hmm. But it's just... I don't know how you would have done it well. I mean, maybe it is a well-done villain because it is such a cringe. But it's I like, don't. Th- I just think it's bad. It's just like uh, again the fact that it's just like she's just this twenty, twenty or one year old person doing this is just like. I mean, yeah. it's legitimately like if right now you or I got given the super soldier serum, and two weeks from now we could go toe to toe with the Winter Soldier and John Walker. 
that's just not that's not realistic that's like like i mean i played tennis and it's like i know that even though i play tennis i can't go play against like serena williams or something because i know i'm gonna get my ass kicked so it's like yeah here it's like they shouldn't they how do they have the confidence to go fight these people too it's like did the super soldier serum like mess with their brain too like oh yeah i'm gonna go toe-to-toe with the winter soldier it's like no you you have strength but that's it like yeah i thought what they should have done with the flag smashers maybe to make it a little better is maybe there should have been more of them and the fight scene should have just been more like disjointed and like chaotic and messy because that's how those types of people would fight it would be hectic and um i don't think we ever really even saw the flag smashers like like there's a common thing you see in superhero stuff where a villain or someone who doesn't have great control of their power can accidentally like mess hit someone and they are out of sync on their own team we even see that with heroes the flag smashers there was no like carly swinging around a a parking meter and it's not there's no moment where the flag smashers like appear to be out of like routine like they don't get in each other's ways which makes no sense they're not a fighting unit they haven't been trained like this we were talking about how earlier in the season us watching bucky and falcon fight together we're like wow they still aren't there fully yet and these people are what it's just it's tough for me it's tough it's tough it's tough but we'll move on bucky breaks the prisoners free and they thank him and then he runs to help John Walker, who is surrounded by Flag Smashers, beating him into the ground. I'm just going to read the next sentence. John Walker has been trained in military combat his whole life and is somehow getting his ass kicked by Carly. I do not understand how that is happening. Carly then... <laughs> I can't... Like, some of the stuff I'm writing down is just crazy how this show ends. Carly then tries to crash the car full of hostages into a giant ditch in the middle of the road. That, that's just what's going to happen now. And... Um, John Walker, in an interesting character moment for him, he choose after he just gets destroyed by Carly, by the way, just abs- kicked in the head, just absolutely destroyed. Um, he chooses to try to save the truck rather than fight Carly and the Flag Smashers and get his revenge. Um, I thought that was a powerful moment for John Walker. Maybe I'm not saying he's a good guy by any means, but a little redemption starts there. And then another reason that the flag smashers look so bad and they're so like they've lost touch with their original mission is that the scene of John Walker trying to save the car with all the people inside of it. And they jump on him and basically like, no, you can't save them. And I just thought that was a tough look. What'd you think? Yeah. Again, it's like, and again, I think it's interesting what I thought about as you're saying this, that we have that crowd that's watching like, which I think is something that this show's really done a lot of, where the the world is technically watching all these situations mm-hmm. go on. Where technically, if you think about like in Avengers one, it's people running away from the action, running away from what's happening. But here, everyone's more just like rooted. They're like, oh, I want to see what's happening, which I guess is very relevant to what twenty twenty one is, etc. Yep. Like people watch to see what's going mm-hmm. on. But again, yeah, the Flag Smashers are just so distorted by what they originally the goal their goal was that they they don't know what is right anymore Mm -hmm. yeah and they're i would imagine losing followers by the second if people are watching but we don't really get into that so um continuing on you had does that equal redemption for john in the notes i don't think so but i think it's a step i think i think it's a step in order for them to use him as um who he becomes at the end of the series yeah and or and make him less I don't think he's a criminal character. 
No, I also, yeah, I think that, again, they wanted to kind of make him, again, more complicated as opposed to straightforward. He's, He's an anti-hero. And yeah. they, um, I thought if we were looking back on the series, they did a couple things incredibly well. The John Walker storyline, I thought, was incredible because of the real emotions it drew from people watching the show. You think I'm mad at Carly? Holy crap. Did you see what people were doing to the guy who played John Walker? Holy, holy crap. Um, and that's just not cool. We don't like that sort of thing. But um, let's go. We're down in the ditch, and Sam comes in. to uh, the, the truck has fallen, and we see the Captain America shield, and Sam pushes up the truck. He has like kind of like the little thruster-type uh, engine thing, magnets he puts on it, kind of similar to Iron Man. To I think Iron Man does that in Spider-Man Homecoming to put the boat back together, if I'm remembering yes. correctly. And so Sam kind of does that. He gets him all out, and an awesome moment happens because the crowd, again, goes crazy. It, every movie that ha- superhero movie that happens in New York, you got to have a crowd. It's, I think it's just the rules. It's great because you have this guy who goes, that's the Black Falcon. And then some guy goes, no, that's Captain America. And I thought that was awesome because, I mean, it's incredible to see Sam doing this. And it's just, I love it. I, we've been waiting for this for so long. Um, back down in the ditch, Carly tries to, she throws a. I was so stupid. It was like she throws that rod or. It was like yeah, like the metal rod. Was it at, at him? At Bucky or John Walker? I think it was at Bucky. And, and again, Bucky it's like catches it like he catches everything. But it's like that was it's like, what is wrong with you? Like, yeah, that, that I thought that was a little a little out of pocket there. I mean, you would think she was just so more... desperate. It was just like like she's lo- like she's officially like running out of options. Was like, Let me just throw this and mm-hmm. hope it does something as if you're not the Winter Soldier with the vibranium arm who. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Sam comes down, he uses the shield to kind of knock everyone back, and he gets down there and he's like, this is enough. And Carly is very, very pissed off that Sam is Captain America, who's taking, he's donning the Stars and Stripes. She's like, how could you? She thinks that this is a betrayal. And Sam basically says, I'm trying something new. You should try it too. And then that's right after that happens, Batrock shoots a bunch of um, like smoke bombs in there, I guess. Yeah. And, and so uh, the Flag Smashers run away, but Sam, because of his Falcon gear and his eyes, he can see where they're going. So him, Walker, and Bucky go after them. Bucky and John end up staying together, and Sam goes after Carly alone. So here it comes, Peter. Here it comes. So you said you would riot if Sharon wasn't the power broker. Well, good thing. We're, we're no rioting today because Sharon, we find out, is the power broker. We find out that she recruited Carly in Madripoor, that Carly betrayed her, and Carly's saying, like, you just wanted to control a world that hurt you, which is what we have been saying about her. Like, the people who online who are like, there's no way Sharon could be the power broker and all this stuff. It's like, no, she got screwed. Of course she could be angry and want to retaliate like this. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but I don't think it's unreasonable, don't you think? Yeah, and I honestly feel like because I know if we go to Endgame, it says that she was one of the ones that was blipped. Yeah, call him BS like on that. Technically, um, Ant-Man was also blipped yep. according to what the world thought. So it would make sense that all the time from the end of Civil War. Civil War, yeah. End of Civil War, she would have been exiled on the run, building this up. If she is the power broker, 
she could have easily disappeared into obscurity, built up this and done it in a way that was so parallel to the Flag Smashers. And she went a different route to get over the fact that she was wronged. Yeah, I mean, I just don't understand the the cha- like the reasoning if you're watching the show and you're like, how could she be the power broker? It's like, we literally, like, or how could she, like, the people who think, like, oh, it said she was snapped, she was snapped. But it's like, we just found out that she's running, like, a criminal underground thing in Madripoor a couple episodes ago. You don't think she could lie about being snapped? Like, no one's known where she was. Like, I thought it was something that was such a, like, I didn't. The, the screen in Endgame, so many people brought that up of how she couldn't be the power broker, and I was like, that means nothing to me. That means absolutely nothing. It was yeah. a guess. Ant-Man, like you said, wasn't dusted. Um, and so, continuing on with this, Sharon, weirdly, I thought this was kind of weird, but I guess I get it. She tries to recruit Carly back, and Carly's like, you need muscle, and um, she's like, "Not you don't have that much power anymore, and Sharon's like, I have more than you, and Batrock shows up. And Carly is, like, all offended that she sent Batrock to spy on her. Don't understand why you'd be offended or surprised or, like, hurt because you literally betrayed her and stole all the stuff. So, of course, she's going to be keeping tabs on you. Um, And so now Batrock and Carly – or Carly already knew, but Batrock now finally knows that Sharon is the power broker. He didn't know that. And so Batrock wants four times as much money as he was going to get now that he knows her identity. And then Sharon just shoots Batrock. And then Carly shoots Sharon, and that's when Sam shows up. That was a lot. I know you have a lot of thoughts on Sharon, so the floor is yours, Peter. What did you think of this? That we've delved, we're delving fully into the villain. I like that we are taking that route. I like that it's someone, which I think is a really cool function that a lot of superhero shows do well, is that it's someone who was close to you ends up being the one who becomes your worst enemy. You know, Peter Parker. Harry Osborn, which hasn't happened yet in this version of the MCU, but that's definitely a way that we could go. I mean, Every Steve Peter and Parker Bucky, going, I mean, yeah. at one point, that was the problem. That was his best Iron friend. Iron Man 1. Yeah. Loki. The list goes on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, it's, it's, no, it's like classic superhero. It's like, yeah. that's who's going to work to get at you. And the fact that it is someone who they're not going to get assume is the power broker or someone who's going to betray them, someone who helped them originally in civil war you know sharon came out as this she was doing laundry next door to steve rogers like it was like she could have been nobody and then it was like she's actually related to peggy carter who Mm -hmm. was obviously founder one of the founders of shield and now it's like complete opposite motivations because she was wronged in her opinion and technically she was i mean she was not she was basically told you're the criminal and that's it like we're not gonna care about you and i think the motivations are clear I am not rioting because I'm happy that we were not faked out. Like some things in WandaVision, I like that it's, again, kind of a Ragnarok reboot of Sharon and opens up the possibilities for where we can go. Yeah, I really like that. I like that Ragnarok comparison. I think that's a good point. Um, And so Sam does show up on the scene. He asks Carly, like, what's next? Ten people this time, a hundred next time. Where's it going to end? And so she attacks Sam and Sam just won't fight back. Won't fight back at all. Winter Soldier flashback. Yep. And he's just taking the punches. He's avoiding it, using his shield to get out of the way, kind of pushing, but not fighting. And eventually, I mean, the one thing you got to keep in mind is Carly is a super soldier, and he is just letting him her throw punches at him. So eventually, he gets knocked down. She says, hey, stay down. He's like, no, which I thought was great. He could have said, I could do this all day, but 
that's Steve's thing. So let's leave that to Steve. Um, And then finally, she has Sam with like no defenses. He's staying there. She's got a gun to his chest. And then Sharon shoots her. And Sharon shoots her like four times. So for the people out there on the internet who are like, she could maybe be alive. Like, no, she got, it wasn't one, like she got lit up by Sharon. And my quote, my, uh, my note here is, ha ha, she's dead now. And she tells Sam sorry in her last breath. Good riddance, Carly Morgenthau. You were the worst. What'd you think of that? You know, I, part of me was like, if she shoots Sam, it's, isn't it a vibranium suit? Like, I was like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's really going to hurt him. She doesn't know that, obviously. And We Sharon don't know that. Know I'm not that. sure. But it's like, I think Sharon doing that just further put her in. I am your friend. I saved your life. I am not the villain here. I am just going to... And it's just like, just the strategy in play is just like such classic villain, like what you want in a villain. It's like it's like, it's like Zemo's level of like strategy. It's like, that's what makes these villains great villains, unlike the Fly Smashers who have no strategy, who suck. Yep. Couldn't agree more. So basically, let's go from, from here on. We have um, John and Bucky use the app to catch the rest of the flag smashers funny seeing an 100 year old dude use the smartphone app to catch him john walker gives a really cheesy corny lincoln quote which i thought was hilarious the way bucky kind of gives him shit about it and how john walker's like great man a great quote and bucker's bucky's like not when you say it um so i like that i love when bucky gives people shit and then so now the next scene is it's going to get really important. I have the script and everything ready to go as well. Um, Sam flies down looking very angelic, carrying Carly's dead body to the ambulance where everyone is. There's the GRC people, the reporters, Bucky, John Walker. Everyone is there meeting in that area. And um, he's going to talk to the GRC people and say they need to be better. And I have the script. Let me pull it up right here. Um, so as Sam's landing, you hear a reporter Reporters asking, what happened to the Flag Smashers? When did the government make you Captain America? Is it still Falcon? Is it Captain Falcon? Um, The senators thank him, and they say, you did your part in dealing with those terrorists. Now we'll do ours. Sam's like, are you still going forward with resetting the borders? And they're like, our peacekeeping troops will begin relocating people soon. The terrorists only set us back a bit. Sam's like, you have to stop calling them terrorists. And they're like, well, what else would we call them? And Sam's like, yo, well, your peacekeeping troops carrying weapons are forcing millions of people into settlements around the world, right? What do you think those people are going to call you? They're obviously not going to like it. And um, Sam goes, these labels, terrorists, refugees, thug, they're often used to get around the question, why? And then we have the the senator saying, basically, those settlements that happened five years ago, do you think it is fair for the government to have to support them? Fair question, because that would definitely be something that comes up if this happened in real life. It would definitely be a giant issue. Sam goes, yes. And the senator goes, and the people who reappeared only to find someone else living in their family home, they just end up homeless. Another great point showing how incredibly complex this situation is. And I mean, I don't think we're ever going to have to worry about an alien snapping away half of life. So hopefully in our, our world doesn't get as crazy as this. But I mean some serious implications going on. And um, Sam says that he gets it. And they're like, but you have no idea how complicated the situation is. And Sam's like, you're right. And that's a good thing because we finally have a common struggle now. Think about it. For once, all the people who've been begging, and I mean literally begging for you to feel how hard any given day is, now you know. He asked them, how did it feel to be helpless? 
And if you could remember what it was like to be helpless and face a force so powerful it could erase half the planet, you wouldn't you would know that you're about to have the exact same impact. It isn't about easy decisions, Senator. And they again say you just don't understand. And Sam goes, I'm a black man carrying the stars and stripes. What don't I understand? Every time I pick this thing up, I know there are millions of people out there who are going to hate me for it. Even now here. I feel it, the stares, the judgment, and there's nothing I can do to change it, yet I'm still here. No super soldier serum, no blonde hair, no blue eyes. The only power I have is that I believe we can do better. We can't demand that people step up if we don't meet them halfway. Look, you control the banks. Shit, you can move the borders. You can knock down a forest with an email. You can feed a million people with a phone call. But the question is, who's in the room with you when you're making those decisions? Hmm? Is it the people you're going to impact or is it just more people like you? He talks about Carly and says, this girl just died trying to stop you. And no one has stopped for one second to ask why. You've got to do better, Senator. You've got to step up because if you don't, the next Carly will. And you don't want to see 2.0. People believed in her cause so much that they helped her defy the strongest governments in the world. Why do you think that is? Look, you people have just as much as power as an insane god or a misguided teenager. The question you have to ask yourself is, how are you going to use it? Sam, spitting facts. And not only is that important that he's saying it to these senators who clearly hadn't thought about it like that. The world is watching. The reporters are there. So we see Isaiah Bradley and Elijah Bradley watching that. We see Torres in some military facility watching that. We see Sarah, Sam's sister, watching that. And this is – I don't even want to compare it to Steve Rogers. I mean it's just what Captain America should be, Sam or Steve. Sam sticking up for people and not just being a hired gun like John Walker. He's more like – it's. I thought that this was in, it was very good for Sam's character. Obviously makes a ton of great points. Um, what did you think of this? The parallel that that came to mind for me was uh, similar to um, Tony's last message in um, Endgame, oh, because again, wow. you are able to ec- create such narrative and exposition and tell so much through a very specific um, monologue. And again, it's only certain. It can be. This could have been done so unwell the way this show. I mean, it was. Yeah. Yeah, it could have, like... they've handled it like the Flag Smashers. <laughs> exactly. You know, you have such strong, not not that strong feelings about the Flag Smashers yeah. now. Yeah, but, like, I just, I think that it wrapped up the series, and also it does what the Captain America character is supposed to do. You know, you comment on what's going on in the MCU world, but also in the world as a whole, in a way that... I think having Sam deliver really set the foundation for where the character can go. I think it allowed the world building that was happening in this series, which kind of, it bleeds into um, the Spider-Man Far From Home. Mm-hmm. It bleeds into not WandaVision so much, but again, the idea that these are the new heroes that you're going to see. You're going to see Sam Wilson as Captain America. You're going to see Wanda as a Scarlet Witch. You're going to see not necessarily the Iron Man, the OG Captain America, who are like, who look how what people think superheroes should look like. You're instead going to see a more diverse roster of heroes who are going to get the hate that Sam says, but at the same time, they're still the heroes. They're still there to do the work. And I think this was just such a brilliant 
perfectly done scene. And yeah, I think this was a perfect way to cap off the episode. And I I just had a, a good thought when you were saying that because I agree with everything you're saying. And one thing, like they are replacing these heroes. And what have we noticed since Endgame? Two things have happened. There's been a hesitation by two characters to fill the shoes, quote unquote. You had obviously Peter Parker with Tony and you had Sam with Steve. And what these characters and what we of the audience have learned in this post Endgame world is that it's their responsibility to take those on because if Peter doesn't, because if Sam doesn't, maybe they don't think they're the heroes they are, but we need them because if they don't, guess what happens? We get Mysterio trying to be the next Iron Man blowing up all of Europe. We have John Walker publicly killing someone as Captain America. It's the responsibility that these heroes have to take on the mantle that has been left for them in the past MCU. I think it's incredible how they've done that, and they've showed the impact there's been three projects since Endgame. Spider-Man, WandaVision, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And already in two of them, someone has tried to replace the two top dogs, Iron Man and Captain America, who aren't there anymore. And I think that's perfect because that's how you have to address that. There would be a void. And so Sam and eventually Peter stepping into these roles, I just think it's perfect. I know that was long-winded, but I just I love the MCU. And just to add on to that, though, it's almost, again, too, the whole motivation of WandaVision is they're trying to cre recreate Vision yep. in order to be prepared again for yeah. well, whatever threat is coming. So, again, we're having that idea that I think you just presented so brilliantly, just of, like, these characters are having to step up into the roles and let, or something bad is going to happen, and someone worse is going to try to take over and do the wrong thing, which I think in a little bit is obviously what Val is kind of doing mm -hmm. going forward. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about looking at the future of the MCU as well, really quickly, think about a show like Hawkeye. We're going to see something like that with Kate Bishop. She-Hulk may be stepping into Bruce Banner's role in some way. I don't know what the future of uh, Bruce Banner in the MCU will be, but we do have a lot of these people coming that are going to carry on the legacy of some sort. Last thing before we get to like so, some of the ending scenes that we have, Bucky does call Sam Cap, and he taps the shield, and oh, that, that killed me. That, that was, was perfect. And I also love his line where he was acting like he didn't pay attention to what Sam uh -huh. was saying because that's just, again, you have this brilliant monologue and then you have Bucky's dry humor that just mm -hmm. kind of, again, ties in what MCU does so well. Yeah, it does. it, And um, we see that Sam, as he's talking to Sharon and Bucky, they're telling her they're going to get her a pardon. She doesn't want to go to the hospital. Wonder why. Um and uh, he goes off to save the Flag Smasher that was in the Hudson River or wherever it was and, as Captain America. So um, a couple things, a lot of things actually happen here at the ending. I don't know why I said ending with 10 things left, but we're going to roll like that. It's like ending and it's like a list. Yeah. Um, so we have the other Flag Smashers who survived, the ones that John Walker and Bucky captured. They are being put into some sort of like truck to carry them to the raft prison and you even see that the one of the prison guards or whatever says one world one people to them kind of scary with that did you cringe i feel yeah, like you would cringe i was like god no it's not gonna live on is it and shout out to my boy zemo and his butler they just take him out with a bomb i i literally like i said last week on the show I don't want to be mean, but I just hope they all blow up or something. Thank you, Zemo. Uh, what'd you and do? It's just, it's so perfect for Zemo, too, because, yeah, he also had his character reboot 
But at the end of the day, his mission has been the same from day one. And he fulfilled it from the raft of all places. He still pulled the strings to make it happen. I love Zemo so much. So I'm excited to see what we see in the future with him. We'll talk about that. Um, And then we have John Walker meets with Val and his wife. Again, just like no speaking from her. Just literally, she just does not talk. I would be very interested to hear what she has to say. Maybe what her opinion in all this crazy shit is. But we don't get it in this show. Um, John Walker gets the U.S. agent costume. Um, he's celebrating with his wife about how he's back. And I did think it was interesting, though, Peter, how Val said things are going to get weird. We're not going to need Captain America. We're going to need a U.S. agent. What do you think by things are going to? What do you think she meant by things are going to get weird? I think it's going to tie into a uh, secret invasion. I think I think that's what's going to kind of lead into this. And I also think again, the next phase of MCU, which was kind of alluded to at the beginning of this series, is you know we're going to have a lot of magic. We're going to have more aliens. We're going to have we've got the we've got the um, Eternals coming. We've got mm-hmm. all these other, and we've got Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Okay. So I think again, and the world is going to get weird. And again, I like that the Val character, when she's talking to the wife, she's like we. Um, we're like she alludes to like we didn't plan this or did we were we responsible or not like everything just is like the characters yeah. have such ambiguity which I think is something She's that Marvel great. does really well. Mm-hmm. I thought she's gotten into that role perfectly. Um, and then here's I will I have a complaint about this next thing. I like a legitimate. I'm kind of sad how they did this. We have Bucky finally telling Yuri about how, uh, Yuri is the older gentleman from i believe episode one or one mm-hmm. um where we know that in a flashback bucky when he was the winter soldier killed his son his son was innocent he was just kind of in the crossfire a witness and um we've been waiting for this bucky has the name in the book that he eventually needs to cross off and at the end of episode five sam was hyping him up about how you need to do that you need to amend not avenge and so we have bucky tell his son or tell yuri about how he killed his son as the winter soldier and it's heartbreaking the little part we see. They just cut it off so quickly. It was, I don't know. I, I'd been waiting. That was something that was a, set up in episode one where it wasn't like Bucky had just talked to this guy a couple times. So it was like, oh, I'll just come in and say this. He had developed some sort of relationship with him. So I would have loved to see, like, even though it probably would have been really sad, I would have loved to see a little more of Bucky's arc get solved i thought that he had a good arc on the show and it was solved i just would have liked to see a little bit more of that uh interaction what do you think it reminded me of the wandavision finale because again that's the only thing we can really compare this Mm -hmm. to where darcy was literally just just rammed the car with Uh, the ice cream truck and again it's like we had this character that was important and kind of just like rammed an ice cream truck with like three lines so I think, again, it was rushed, which I think is, again, a complaint that we would have for a lot of things. The endings are hard to, to sort of land them, but I think, yeah. again, it it wasn't, it was not the same nuance that the whole series had as a whole. So it did feel a little bit like he's saying what he's saying. Now, oh, he's walking out the door now. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something that was missing that I think, like you said, it, it, it needed to be shown. Yeah, and I think stuff like that is apparent in this type of show. It's kind of because like how you, what you just mentioned, there's so much detail or great thought put into storylines like the John Walker, obviously, the Sam storyline, the Isaiah Bradley, some really powerful, great stuff. And so when they don't hit that level on some other ones, it's just more noticeable. So that is just nitpicking. But I also am just a giant Bucky Barnes fan, Winter Soldier fan, so I would have liked to see that. But I'm sure we'll see him again. 
And maybe that scene will play in as a flashback <laughs> in season two, if that happens, you know? Great point. Great point. Um, we see that Bucky also leaves the book and a thank you card with his therapist. We see the names crossed off. I thought that was nice. Good callback. Um, and then Sam visits Elijah. We get the good old banter back and forth between um, – or he visits Isaiah, excuse me. And we get the good banter back and forth at the front door between uh, Elijah, young Elijah and Sam of like, boy, you need to get some manners and stuff like that. Just really funny back and forth. And he, then he goes to talk to Isaiah Bradley. And Isaiah tells him, like, he's special. But he still has that uh, – I mean, he's just giving him a hard time always. He never kind of lets up. It's just kind of how he is. And uh, But you do see the respect that in this moment that Isaiah does have for Sam. It is apparent. And that is times by a trillion when – I had three takeaways from this show overall. One was on when I rewatched uh, the episode this morning. One was anytime Sam and Bucky are together, it's awesome. Two is Carly Morgenthau and the Flag Smashers suck. And three is that this scene with Isaiah Bradley and Sam at the museum made me cry every single time I watched it. That's how good it was. Um, and so Sam takes Isaiah and Elijah Bradley to the cap exhibit that we saw previously where Isaiah was not recognized. His name had, like we mentioned, had been wiped off the history books in this universe. And Sam shows him that there is now a section for him. I didn't get to screenshot and zoom in on everything it said. So maybe we talk about that a little next week. But um, because I don't know if they said like he was a super soldier. I couldn't quite make any of that out. But there is a a shrine and a monument to him. And so this country will never forget the service and what he did for it. And this is just an incredibly emotional moment between Isaiah and Sam. And not only Isaiah and Sam, Elijah and Isaiah, where he gets to show his grandson that. And they, Isaiah gives him a hug, and like I said, I'm just in tears. What did you think of that whole? I thought it was, again, one of the things that Marvel does so well is just it can hit the emotions at just the right way. And something that, in a sense, might seem like it wouldn't hit you, but it really does. Because it shows, again, what kind of character Sam is. He was going out of his way, like the speech said. He's going out of his way to try to make things right. So even though Isaiah told him, like, yo, I don't want to deal with this, leave me alone. He still, he knew it was the right thing to do, to that he be honored. And I'm pretty sure, because I did zoom in a couple times, I think it did say he was a super soldier. Okay. Or that they were experimented on, so they do allude to that. But I think they also, they didn't say he was alive. I think they kept that he was, that he did die. I think Sam, and, he wants that though, probably, right? Right. So again, I think it was... I'm cool so, can I jump in really quick? The yeah. fact that you zoomed in on it, I just... This is why we do this podcast. Yeah, it's so great. I was feeling guilty before this. I was like, oh, shoot, I didn't zoom in. And of course, Peter did. So it's the pineapple couch, ladies You know, go on. The details. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think it was cool because we had such a cold look at the Captain America Museum at the beginning of the episode, of series, excuse me. And now we have this one. And again, it calls back to we have. Bucky went to the museum at one point. Steve went to the museum at one point. So every this museum is obviously a, a pivotal part for the MCU. And to have the inclusion of someone who was a part of this storyline, I think it was just done so well. I thought it was too. Um, and the the episode in the series really closed it out before the post credit scene, obviously. Uh, you have Sam and Bucky back in Sam's hometown just having a good time. Bucky really looks like he's happy. And that was like that, one of the best Bucky scenes, how he comes in with like the cake or whatever with yeah. the sunglasses and not wearing the glove on his hand. Like it was just, it was just uh, so good. And obviously it's cool to see Sam 
back home with everyone. But the one thing I will say about Sam is Sam has such a positive outlook on things. Always. He's always funny. He Even when he's down, he deals with things in a way that's a positive spin on it. Seeing, like, I can't just, seeing Bucky that happy, I I don't think we've ever seen Bucky that happy since um, Steve Rogers and him were going to go on a date before they went to war or when Steve maybe rescued him. I don't know. That's the happiest I've seen Bucky in forever. And it was just so, I mean, this dude has been tortured for <laughs> so long. And it's, it, I just think, I hope to see more of Bucky because he's just, it's a 10 out of 10 character for me. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just love seeing them together. I love seeing the growth from episode one to this final episode where they're standing next to each other and they're yeah. walking together. Just like, and I mean, in episode one, Sam didn't have a plan and that's why Bucky didn't really care for him. And by this episode, he had the plan. Everything was executed perfect, like to the letter what the plan was. They have that respect. They're a mm-hmm. team. I need a season two. But of course, the episode's not over yet so yeah um yeah just uh another thing it's just i said this already but anytime sam and bucky are together it's just so good and i know we got a lot of it in this series i just still want more they are such a dynamic duo together both of them anthony mackie sebastian Stan, stand 10 out of 10 performances this year um post-credit scene oh but i should say before we get yes. the post-credit scene, the maybe one of the best moments actually of the episode is after the episode, the final title sequence shows, and it is Captain America and the Winter Soldier is the final title. What was your reaction to that? Chills, just chills, and just like the, a smile and chills, and just like it felt so right, and it felt like the perfect again because I wanted season two so I felt like it was the perfect bridge to a season two where we're no longer going to call him the winter soldier in season two and he's also and the title's going to change a third time by, by the end of the series again yeah but I, I just thought I, it was perfect that. yeah I thought that was great um and then we go to the post credit scene where Sharon Carter is pardoned and they're thanking her for her service she's um like because obviously her family is very well known in America she gets her old job immediately back and as she walks out of the courtroom, she, like, does a weird smile and straight up looks at the camera. And you're like, oh, shit. And then she walks out, and she's just right in front of the courthouse, calls someone. And he's basically like, yeah, we have access. To, we don't have super soldiers anymore, but we have access to all this high-tech stuff, like anything the U.S. government has, information, whatever we want. We have it all. So now the power broker has all that power. And I'm not even, like, it's not even a part of me. Is like, how does Bucky and Sam not realize this? I don't know how they would. There's not really. I mean, I guess just the power maybe Sharon has of they're like I. I don't know. I don't know. G- take it away. I so much. Um, I like that they called her Agent Carter because it's almost again similar to how John Walker was almost the opposite of Captain America. Mm-hmm. Now Sharon is almost the opposite of Peggy. In yeah. A sense. Good point. Because she's going to do what Hydra did to shield from the inside where it grew and then ultimately destroyed it. I liked the homage of the blue suit to the blue suit of Peggy Carter in the OG. I don't see how they're ever going to, how they would know that she is the power broker. We yeah. were so, they, they said he so many times in the whole, whenever they would mention the power broker, he, he. And so again, it's just, it makes so much sense. Her fighting when she fought and was just, in the in episode three or four. Three, when, I think. Three, when she fought and was so 
it was such a visceral fighting. Like it wasn't yeah. CIA fighting. It was like gritty. It was like, let me shoot you in the face. It was like yeah. fighting not... to kill. Yeah. I think it's, I'm excited to have set up this new villain with Zemo, with Val. We've got all these three different villains in play. Mm-hmm. Um, who do we think she's calling there at the end? Do we think it's the person that she talked to uh, who picked her up after in episode three? Or do we, is it possible that Sharon is the power broker, but she is maybe working for someone else in theory? Like, because she had green uh, tech, like green grenades, which would be Oscorp, Oscorp Tower, Norman Osborn, lots of money. He could be the benefactor from uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. He could be the one Sharon's calling. Just saying. That would be pretty badass. I would if you could if you watch this instead of listen to this, you'll just see that the whole time you just said that I'm just like smiling because I want that to happen. That's really that'd be so, so cool. rad to just create. Because again, Marvel can do that. They can create intertwined stories in a way that just is just this cool comic book feeling of your villains are teaming up together. They're intertwined storytelling. They're not isolated islands that don't ever interact. Yeah. I think that would be so rad. I really do not want it to be a scroll. I don't yeah. think it makes sense the to internet, be a scroll. There's, there's a half of the internet is like basically like, if she's not a scroll, we riot. Because they're like, what'd you do to Sharon? Which I'm like, no, no scrolls, no scrolls, no scrolls, no scrolls. No, 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 no. Because I don't think scrolls need super soldier serum. I don't think scrolls need the weapons and stuff. Yeah. It's like, no. It's, it's like, and again, I think it's because you, I want us to see that this person could become a villain. I think that's what makes it compelling you're seeing someone who became a villain and you're seeing that villain origin story in a sense that and to do again like oh scroll it would be such a this is why the scroll concept sucks because even in a show where no one is supposed to be a scroll let's hope if a fan doesn't like what happens to a certain character they're just like oh scroll scroll it's the worst it's literally like i know that secret invasion is a famous comic book storyline but the storytelling that the scrolls bring with the shape-shifting and stuff, it ruins it. Because if any fan is disappointed in their character, they'll just start a movement of, oh, it was a scroll. If you don't like anything, oh, it was a scroll. And if Marvel can put out a freaking movie and see that we didn't like something, and they could even be, oh, it was a scroll. I just think it's it's It's, a, it's, it's an easy cop. It's an easy way to correct storytelling that doesn't need to be corrected. And I just feel like this series, the whole Captain America, Falcon... Sharon Carter power yeah. broker dynamic cool. is so grounded. I mean, let's have her show up in um, Iron Wars. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I mean, it's not like Cap was showing up in freaking uh, Thor the Dark World when they were on Earth. Like, it doesn't need to be like Cap is grounded. Like, it's yeah. just it's frustrating. It's balanced. I, it creates, it's like, I mean, as much as I love the magic of WandaVision, I don't need to see that here with these no. characters. That Sam specifically doesn't have a super soldier serum. He's yeah. just... I like the MCU. There's variety. Yeah. Yeah, so we're on the same page there. Um, well, Peter, also, Captain America 4 was announced. Yes. Sam Wilson will be the star. Marvel weirdly came out and said, like, Steve Rogers, will, Chris Evans will not be a part of this at all, which just confirms, basically, the rumors that Steve Rogers, Chris Evans, is going to be back as a dark cap and some sort of thing in the future. Because the fact that they had to come out and say, no, that he's not going to be in this, means that the rumors of him coming back are somewhat true, I think. I think yeah. Captain America 4 is going to be awesome, though. I'm excited for Captain America 4. I think it would be cool if um, Bucky's still a part of it. 
Um, I'm interested to see where it will land in the timeline because the timeline is so specific and detailed. I would love to see um, the Steve Rogers returning the Infinity Stones series. Like, let's, let's make that happen, Marvel. Like, that would be some rad storytelling in, in the way that Endgame worked, where you're kind of revisiting these properties and you're able to do a little more and have yeah. some fun, especially, again, because he's a man out of time. So let's, why not put him further out of time? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, at first, I'm like, I kind of think that Cap 4 could maybe just be a straight-up sequel to this. I'm not sure. Maybe they would... I think they might have bigger aspirations for a movie. I'm not sure. So it'll be, we'll cover that when any information comes out about that. Um, next thing, where will we see Bucky next? I, I would assume Cap 4. I don't think we'll see him in Armor Wars. I'd say Cap 4 or Black Panther 2. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I think as much as... I, I selfishly want to see these characters again in something. I think that those two are the only projects that theoretically make sense because Spider-Man already is super stacked. I think Falcon could show up in Spider-Man as a small, small, small cameo. I almost feel like he'll show I'll up give it a one per- Oh. Because he already has that relationship. Yeah. That would, that, oh, that would be so good. Him, oh, that would be great. I, I, I'm that. curious. I think, But I think a lot of the things are, that are so up in the air is that that are so unclear is what's going to happen after Black Widow comes out because Val is supposed to have been introduced in that movie. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what did they do with the character there? What is her sister Yelena going to be in the yeah. MCU? What post credit scenes are to come from that? Because mm-hmm. like- there's, there's three main things going on in the MCU right now. You have the magic stuff of Wanda, Doctor Strange, that realm. You have the scrolls and the alien stuff that is like involved with Nick Fury, Captain Marvel, that sort of stuff. And then you have the grounded, which is what's happening in Black Widow, what's happening in Armor Wars, what's happening in this. And so you're right. We haven't seen Black Widow yet. So I have absolutely no idea what direction this part of the MCU is going in. I'm fairly confident I know what part Doctor Strange is going in that side. I know what the Secret War stuff, Secret Invasion stuff will be. I'm fairly confident. This one, I'm not sure. Is it? This leads us into our next question. Is it the Thunderbolts? Where do we see Zemo next? Yeah, I mean, I think Zemo will show up in Black Panther two, yeah. hypothetically. Which again is such a movie that is shrouded with so much mystery because, unfortunately, we lost Chadwick Boseman, such mm-hmm. a talented actor, and, and so. And, and I, I, re- I really think that's such a good move to not recast the character. Oh yeah, I don't. mean, yeah, especially like, in have, the where Black Panther like isn't. It's in the comics. It's sure he has it at a certain point. I mean, obviously, we would have wanted T'Challa and Chadwick for a lot longer, but I don't like the idea of just straight up recasting him like what happened with Hulk or Rhodey. I yeah. thought when I think of Black Panther, I think of Chadwick Boseman. It's too like them the same thing, you know, T'Challa exactly. at least. Um, but do we think Zemo is going to be involved in Thunderbolts? Like, is the is Val Thunderbolts? I guess. Is that the, so we, like I said, we know what's coming in the magic aspect. We know what's coming in the space aspect. Is the land or the, the earth ground bound aspect going to be Thunderbolt, Super Soldier Serum, Ross? Like I'm, I don't, cause I can figure out big bads of the other two in my head. There's the Skull like, Queen in Secret Invasion and there's a, whatever the hell in Doctor Strange. It could be Mephisto. It could be Nightmare. Who fucking knows with that? Um, 
who is the big bad of Earth? I know it's a tough question. I just can't. Is it it's Shannon? almost like is it Shannon? Yeah. Oh, it's Ant Man. It's Ant. It maybe it's something in Ant Man. Maybe that's well. What he's the quantum. It's the quantum. But the quantum benefactor. Something. The benefactor, I think, has to relate to Sharon somehow. Then it's so the Thunderbolts going to be Sharon and Zemo and um, U.S. Agent. Are they all going to be team up together? I mean, that would be an interesting dynamic for sure. Yeah, it just all depends on who Sharon called. Did she call Val? Who did, did she call Norman? Right? Did she like, call? That would be quite the twist that she ties into Val. It's just like, yeah. Well, I mean, so we'll see. I'm very excited. Black Widow. What is that? July, right? Yes. Okay, so we'll do a full preview for that, obviously, on the pod, as well as a breakdown. Um, Peter, which show did you like better, this or WandaVision? That is so hard. That's like that's like when parents are like, I can't pick a favorite child. It's like, uh, I think just because, as I think Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany squeak this victory out for me, just what they were able to do, what they had to do was a little bit, because it was so far outside of what Marvel typically does. Mm-hmm. And it was such a swing for the fences. And like, I'm going to have to lean into WandaVision. Yeah, I, I'm on the WandaVision as well. I would choose WandaVision. I will say the highs of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, probably for me, like I, there was certain moments in Falcon and the Winter Soldier that I liked more than any other moment in WandaVision. But I just think the series as a whole with WandaVision and, you know, honestly, just the amount of speculation, how much fun it was to talk to people about WandaVision. I, I haven't seen something like that since Thrones, really. So um, I enjoyed doing that. And But I also, I mean, it's so close. I loved this show. If you would have asked me going into the two, which one do you think you'll like more? I would just oh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, 100 Totally. So that's the strength of WandaVision. Um, and the last thing I want to talk to you about, Peter, was the reactions to the finale. Um, every other episode basically has been in Rotten Tomatoes is around like in the 80s to 90s, right? Yeah. This one was at like 56, right? That is so stupid. I am so conf- here's here's my like train of thought with it. If you don't like the show, that's fine. I just don't understand how every episode could be 80 something and then this one's a 56 because it's pretty much like this is what was good. What do you expect? Like I don't know. I think if I had to give it a rating, I mean, what I'd go like out of 10, seven, seven and a half, thought it was pretty good. I mean, tens are very, very rare, hard to get. Like, I think the only thing I have at like a 10 in the entire MCU is Infinity War and Ragnarok. I think those are like the peak. But I mean, what winners, Captain America, the Winter Soldier is a 9.5. Like, it's all right there. So it's tough, especially in the MCU. Um, I just do you understand my point? Like, I don't understand how you could be giving the series in the 80s and the 80s and 80s and then it'd be in the 56. It's like, I don't understand. If you don't like it, be consistent. There's nothing fucking, nothing changed. Like, like, the finale is what everything led to. It's like, it's not like the finale came out of nowhere. Yeah. It led to this. It's like, yeah, we had issues with things like the Flag Smasher's ability to fight, their strength, but I think a lot of it. It was in every episode. Yeah. It's It's so weird. I, I read the negative reviews and I couldn't, I didn't understand them. It was like, they were like, this is just too familiar Marvel territory. And it's like, the job isn't what? to reinvent the wheel. It's like, 
Yeah, the Sharon thing pissed people off. The, so, they want more. Um, I saw someone, honestly, and I don't remember who did this because this is just such a horrendously bad take. They compared what happened to Sharon to Dan, what happened to Danny to Amelia Clark at the end of Game of Thrones, which just, I know you're not super into what? Game of Thrones, but. No, but I know what that is, and I'm just like. Yeah. They had like seven seasons of like Danny, all this stuff, and then it just went to shit. And it's like Sharon Carter, they set this like whether or not you want her to have done this, they set up how it could be freaking possible. Like Carly said, the world hurt her and she wanted to control it. She was banned for no good reason. She was banned and exiled for doing the right thing. And time went on and she got mad. People are like that. We need to accept that, I feel like. Yeah. And it's just, it's like, this is, it's, it's, like I said, it's, you have a character that is supposed to be the good character that's supposed to be one of the, like when Sam says, got the team back together, it's like, you know, someone who's part of it, it's not so, and, but to have this betrayal, that's going to lead to some great storytelling mm. when we have that realization, when Bucky gets, realized that that's going to happen, like that's obviously going to hurt Bucky, that's going to hurt Sam, that's someone that they trust, this is again, so I don't. I don't get what <sighs> they could have done in the finale to not get this then because if, if from how i've been looking at it it's basically that this was going to happen no matter what happened in the finale because i don't see a different type of finale like i don't it wouldn't make sense i don't want and it comes down to this thing i don't want to just be surprised to be surprised like so if they're saying oh it was predictable that sharon became the power broker well thank god because Finally. in Game of Thrones, when Arya killed the Night King and they set up for Jon Snow for eight seasons, it pissed me off. And when you told me that Quicksilver, the dude, the most second or third most beloved character from the shitty Fox X-Men, you're going to cast him as Ralph Boner? And you just – I don't like when – you know, it's funny when my friends make fun of me or mess with me. I don't need Marvel making me waste hours of my life and then just being, oh, LOL, it was a Boner joke. Uh, no, fuck that. I – I would have I would have rioted with you if Sharon wasn't the power broker because then it was like then what was all that? I don't want character development just to mislead me. I want the character development to make sense. And if it's predictable because of that, well, so be it. That's fine. I, it's I mean, like, what do you, what do you want? Do you want Bucky? It, did they want Bucky in the finale to go back to being the Winter Soldier and kill everyone? Like, what do we what? I I just don't understand. I don't understand what they could have. I don't get it. No, and I honestly, I feel like Sharon could have, eased, and I think what Marvel's been doing and is doing in this new phase is we have characters like Sharon, we have characters like Jane Foster and Allie Portman, and then we have Rachel McAdams' character, whose name I cannot remember in Doctor Strange, which is, again, the, no you idea. have these characters that are the side, the Pepper Potts psychic character that I, they realized by the end of the cur the previous iteration of Marvel that, like, we can do something with these female characters and make them multidimensional, yeah. which mm -hmm. is why now we're getting, like I said, Jane and Rachel McAdams is coming back for Doctor Strange. So again, we're having mm -hmm. these characters get rebooted. They're not just a love interest character. They're like, we can make this yeah. one a villain. We yeah. can have her be the next Thor. We can create these dynamic storytelling that really allows the world to expand instead of just being like, oh, she's just like... Well, how, how did it take till Endgame to get pepper pots in the iron man armor how did that first happen there with the amount of time she's been in trouble and throughout that i just thought was weird i mean glenn Powell, glenn 
well, Gwyneth Paltrow is an incredibly weird person from what I've heard. But um, so maybe she didn't want to get in the suit. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think we're on the same page, shockingly, <laughs> about how yeah, this shocked. went. Um, but I do think like there I, I don't want this to be the podcast where we just say everything is great. You know, I, and I think I think we do a good job of not doing that because like the Flag Smashers obviously were an integral part of the storytelling, which you were very strongly against yeah we've been strongly against certain decisions that have been made and frustrated by certain things mm-hmm. and i think we are able to say yeah we're approaching this from the perspective of like we are massive fans of the mcu mm-hmm. but i think when you are that big of a fan there are the things that you aren't going to be like super stoked about that decision because you mm-hmm. you are invested and you're like that wasn't the greatest decision. I mean, that wasn't the best call. That was a little slow. I've just watched Infinity War, and there were some scenes where I was like, I can honestly say this was a little slow in places. Mm-hmm. I was frustrated by this. I was not frustrated by that. Because we're not just blanket saying, like, everything is great. I am so oh, happy. Like, yeah. no. It's not. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think one thing that I think is has a reason, like, I've watched comic book stuff since I was like two or three. So I've like always watched comic book movies. So I've seen how far we have freaking come. It used to be so bad. So, so bad. You think about the Ben Affleck daredevil. I mean, the Hulk before Edward Norton Jr. I mean, I mean, even some of the modern X-Men movies are just so, so bad. And so, for me, when I see people like shitting on WandaVision or Falcon Winter Soldier Endgame, it's like, oh, it must be nice that you've never watched a superhero movie now and you're going to come in and compare it to like no country for old men. It's like, come on. Like, I don't I don't know. I I think that there is a a part of the population in the movie going audience that doesn't watch superhero movies and like to say that they don't. But then they're the same group that whenever they decide that, oh, we're going to go see this superhero movie. And there's, it, there's been examples of it, whether it's Iron Man 1, whether it's Black Panther, whether it's Infinity War, whether it's Ragnarok. They're like, oh, that one's by far the best. It's just like you can't drop out of the clouds and just say that because you have no idea what you're talking about, in my opinion. No, I'm not, yeah, 1000 percent, because those are the same people that are like that will hate on things just to hate on them because mm-hmm. it's popular to hate on them like. We said we can hate on Sharon Carter. We can hate on variety of characters because it's popular to hate that character, that storyline, that thought process, because you're not, but it's like you don't really have the credibility to make that statement when you mm-hmm. are not watching them as a whole. Like you said, because like similar to you, I've grown up on this stuff, whether it was the comic books, the cartoons, the movies, like you understand what is good storytelling, what isn't, mm-hmm. and how these superhero movies can actually be better at storytelling than movies that are straightforward storytelling movies that win the Oscars, that win the awards, that are boring. Yeah, and I think the the prime one of the the best examples of this I know is going on. We'll wrap up in a second, but I finished watching when I saw Black Panther in the theaters. I was I was wow, that was incredible. Like I loved it. Like it was. I mean, it's it's an elite MCU movie. I'm saying it's in the top 10 probably of their movies. And that's because they're all so good. That's saying a lot. And the first thing I noticed when I got home, went on Twitter and stuff, was all these people who don't watch superhero movies saying Black Panther was by far the best superhero movie ever. It's so much better than every single other one, even The Dark Knight, all this stuff. And it's just like, okay, I enjoyed Black Panther. It was very good. I probably like Black Panther more than you did. But 
I just don't like the this is the best, this is the worst. I mean, it's we had Thor the Dark World on the way to Endgame. We're gonna have some ups and downs. Uh, but that's the point. It's gonna be fun. The next uh, six to seven weeks, Peter, into the audience, we're gonna be doing a lot of different type of stuff. We're gonna do a lot of rumors. We might uh, do a rewatch of certain MCU films. Maybe put out a poll what someone would want to hear. Maybe bring on a special third guest. Who knows? Um, I'm sure Peter and I will come up with a fair amount of ideas because we tend to think about this stuff quite a bit. Um, Peter, is Loki June 3rd? June no, 6th? June... Uh, let me pull that up real fast. Mm-hmm. Loki comes out... I should know this automatically, but I think you are... June 11th. June 11th, okay. So right now we're sitting... It's uh, April 26th. So, folks, we the next time we're going to be able to do a breakdown will be after June 11th. We'll do a preview for Loki, I'm sure. Full, full, full preview. But, so, if you have any ideas for some superhero stuff, nerd stuff we can talk about for the upcoming weeks, let us know because I'm sure we'll be down to do it. But um, I think this is the conclusion of our Falcon and the Winter Soldier covering. Peter, it's, we did all six episodes. It was a pleasure to do this with you. Likewise, thank you for having me on. This was a blast, and it really made the episodes way more enjoyable. Oh, yeah. Wait, I agree. I agree. Um, so this has been the Pineapple Couch. Thank you so much for everyone for listening. We'll be back for Loki. Peter will be back. I will be back every week. We're not going anywhere. Have a great rest of your day, and keep being a nerd. Love you all.